Blog Talk Radio. Oh my goodness, this week everything is working according to plan. Perhaps I should not count my chickens before they're hatched. Don't count your blessings. Sometimes blog talk roulette seems to be going my way. This is the Reverend John St. Germain welcoming you to the Crystal Silence League Hour. And tonight we have many, many interesting things to discuss. We're continuing our series of the Mysteries of the Tarot. Once you join us in a minute, go get you a drink. Come back. I'll be here. Are you back? Are you out there? Why don't you do this? Everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. <sighs> Just like that. Take another deep breath. Let it out. <sighs> Let it all out. Blow it out. Take a third breath. Let it out like this. <sighs> like at the end of a long hard day because something's going on out there something's going on this has been a terrible stressful period of time those of us in the spiritual business I think we've been dealing with a lot of stress from our clients something's going on so just take another one <sighs> and just feel the weight of the day go away let it go and relax just relax and let it go. Something's going on out there. Something's creating a lot of stress and tension and chaos. Don't let it get to you. Let this be your haven from all of that. You know what they say? When you're, when you're going through hell, keep walking. Keep walking. This is the Crystal Silence League. We are your haven from all of that. We teach you techniques to just 
keep it going, project it, accept it. We're sending you love every day, each and every day of the year. We send you love. We project it from our crystal balls. All you have to do is receive it. You don't even need a crystal ball to receive it. Just accept, open up, accept the love and the affirmation that we send you each and every day from the Crystal Silence League. There's not one, not two, not five, but hundreds of us. There are hundreds of us sending love out every day via our crystal balls as taught to us by our founder, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, so long ago. He founded the Crystal Silence League in 1917 for the purpose of radiating positive affirmation and prayer to all those in need of such for the asking through the agency of the crystal. He discovered the properties of crystals. He discovered that the new thought techniques of projection, affirmation, healing, and seership could be amplified through the use of the crystal. And these are taught by the Crystal Silence League through our literature and through our lessons and through this show. And we have uh, produced a new book called Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, available for the asking well, for the low price of uh, $9.95. All you've got to do is uh, order it. We'll be giving away free copies at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, May 13th and 14th. Register now. We're getting lots of registrations for that. I'll be giving a uh, presentation on Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, and I will be doing for a limited time. This is the first time you'll get a chance to see this for over 100 years. I'll be presenting Claude Alexander's Conlon Seamless Seance using Claude Alexander's Conlon's original props that I have collected at great expense and great effort, props that he used in his original performance from the early 1900s. As far as I know, I'm the only person that has ever done this um, in probably 100 years. Here's your chance to see it. You will not believe your eyes. Well, the Crystal Silence League. We, tonight we're going to talk about uh, limonite, the, the uh, mineral limonite, otherwise known as iron oxide. Iron oxide is why... Uh, Red clay mud is red. If you've seen red clay mud, you've seen limonite. It's also in rock form. It's also the inclusion in many crystals, if, um, like bloodstone, for instance. That's why bloodstone is green with red and pink inclusions. It's also the uh, um, striations in um, uh, quartz crystals that have the little needles in it. Limonite is a grounding element. Usually when you see these crystals, it'll say they, they have grounding properties. It's because of the limonite in it. Um, it's a red pigment. It's why red jasper is red, for instance. It has limonite in it, iron oxide. It's rust. It's why um, iron rusts. It oxidizes. The iron oxidizes and turns into iron oxide, and it's rust. It's also why brick is red. Iron oxide is a recording medium. Some people think that's why brick and iron in houses records spiritual phenomenon. It's bio-recordings. Many spirits or uh, many spirit apparitions are not actual spirit consciousnesses, but bio-recordings, strong spiritual 
emanations are recorded into the iron oxide of the building, just like videotape and cassette tapes recorded sound and audio before the age of digital recording. It's an interesting theory. Look at bio recordings. If what I'm talking about is like going over your head, younger people may have never seen uh, video cassettes or audio cassettes. That was what we used growing up. We had, and I even remember eight track cassettes for the old folks, but that's limonite. Um, it can be used to help relieve stress and to uh, relieve anxiety and to um, um, help ground you. It's also very interesting because it is a recording medium. So if you get pieces of it from a place to which you feel particularly attuned, it will have that energy recorded in it. Isn't that interesting? You know, say you're at a place and you think, well, man, I feel really calm and at home here. Find you a piece of red stone. Carry it with you. It'll bring back memories of that place. It's a very cool thing, Limonite. If you go to our website, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll find many interesting uh, pages there. You'll see information about Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, which brought the Crystal Silence League back from stasis, from its long sleep around 2007 or so, and um, brought it into life on cybernetic form. And um, you'll find that um, we have a letter from Claude Alexander Conlon. We have a little gift shop. We have photos of crystal balls on the altar. We, t- we tell you about the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, um, uh, archives of the uh, uh, now-defunct newsletter I used to edit. We're going to bring that back. Don't worry. We'll bring it back. And we also have prayer requests, and we get over 200 prayer requests a week sometimes. And prayer is always free. There's no catch to this. Uh, we do appreciate donations to help us run the website. It, it, it does cost money to run that website, but we don't ask. We don't require. Um, so just recall that uh, when you go to the website and you post a prayer, uh, there's a button that says pray and send email. And when you click that button, people will pray for you. I'd also like to remind you that if you need your prayer removed, if the need is passed, you don't have to email us or message us to have your prayer removed. There's a button you push and that will vaporize your prayer. It will disappear into the silence. You don't have to have us do that because sometimes it's hard for us to do that. If three or 400 prayers have passed since yours is posted and you say, well, will you remove our prayer? It's, we have to go looking for it, but you know where it is. You have a button. It will say, remove my prayer, and that will remove it. But another easy way to do it is just report it, and if you report it, then we can find it. That's how you remove your prayer. So if you'd like to go there, please, you can pray along with me, and I will read some of these aloud anonymously by prayer ID. We respect your privacy. So prayer ID 82250, who says, please pray for V. She's having trouble with her supervisor. Her supervisor is very mean, rude, and disrespectful toward her. Please keep V in daily prayer and pray for calmness, peace within the department. Pray for V as she travels to and from work. 
Pray for safety and protection, good mental and physical health, financial blessings, and prayer for her family. Amen. And we have prayer ID 82246, who prays that E will come back to K and will move forward with marriage. Amen. And prayer ID 82245, who says, I ask you, beautiful souls, for your prayer assistance in helping me get out of this deep debt. For years, I've been trying to get out of this debt crisis to no avail, and at the moment, things are becoming gradually dire, and it's starting to affect my work performance. Where it is crucial that I maintain balance, I always feel weird to ask for assistance when it comes to finances, but I know that a substantial influx of cash could help me pay debtors, improve credit, and start moving forward. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 82244, please pray for our little cleaning company to get bigger jobs. In Jesus' name, amen. And prayer ID 82243, who says, I.S., please show a little bit more love to me. I love you so much, and I want our relationship to work well. Please pray for I.S. and E.H. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer ID 82242. Bless, loved all at Crystal Silence League and friends, family, animals, and let my beautiful sea out love. Thank you, St. Anthony, St. Espede, St. Jude, and St. Michael and the ancestors. Amen. Prayer ID 82241. Please allow Mr. C.W., our landlord, to show mercy and accept my partial payment of rent until I'm able to obtain the remainder next Friday. Amen. Prayer ID 82240. Please pray for me. I need God to make a way for me to pay my storages so I won't lose everything I have. Please pray God make a way and I get the money. Please pray that my lawsuit settlement check be ready to pick up today so I can pay my bills. Amen. Prayer ID 82239, I ask that my grandson Kay be removed of his self-hatred and talk of suicide, healing for his mind, heart, body, and spirit. Amen. Prayer ID 82238, please pray that my, that at my sentencing in Winchester County, New York, tomorrow, the judge decides to change the prosecutor's plea bargain and allow me to serve weekends in jail or allows the sentence to be postponed for six months so that I may continue working to support my five-year-old son. We have no other family. I am disabled and finally got a job after six years just this week. Please pray that my request be granted. Amen. Prayer ID 82236. Please pray for my two-year-old Labrador Retriever who is going into kidney failure, and the veterinarian doesn't know what's causing it, please ask God to heal him. Thank you. And prayer ID 82235. I ask for heartfelt prayers for my sister. She's still fighting cancer. The doctors have given up, but we have not. I believe in miracles and the body healing itself and God above all things. Please pray that she will live, that she will be cured. Amen. And finally, please pray 
Please, I urge you to remove a domination-binding poppet doll curse on J.F. Please pray constantly over him to remove this from his life. Amen. And let's have a moment of silent prayer and affirmation for all those in need of courage and strength and the strength and willpower to carry on. Amen. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I'm looking for a church building. Um, probably within a year, I will have a, uh, a church with an attached store, and I will be doing services, uh, spiritual, spiritualism, spiritualist uh, churches, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church will have a congregation, we hope. And I'll I'll do services. There probably will be a two-hour service, and I will broadcast them. And the second half of the service will be this program, and it will be broadcast most likely in two formats. One will be uh, a live – it might be a YouTube channel. I haven't figured that out yet, but it will be rebroadcast most likely on blog talk radio because the services will be Wednesday night and Saturday night, most likely. And there will be a, um, um, message bearing service from spirit during this service where people will petition spirit with uh, questions to loved ones. And they will be answered during the service, uh, spirit willing, of course, 
and uh, then the second part will be more or less what this program is. I'll be answering prayers and reading prayers from the Crystal Silence League as well as prayers from the congregation. That That's the news on this part. I'm, I'm looking at buildings now, trying to find one to buy. I don't want to rent it. I want to buy the building so I can do whatever I want to with it. Anyway, that's that news there. We're talking about the interesting book called the tarot i don't see it as a deck of cards i see it as a book and what i usually ask the people who come to me for consultation whenever i'm doing any sort of reading uh, regardless of what if i'm using cards uh, regardless of the type of deck i'm using I'll, i'll tell them that this is a book with many pages, and I'll hand it to them, and I'll say, now I'd like you to mix the pages and write your own story. And then the pages are laid out in a pattern, and this could be anywhere from three cards to nine cards, 12 cards. It can be the entire pack, depending on the type of story that we're telling. And in this book called the tarot, it's been said that the major arcana is a progression from the fool to the world, uh, a progression of 21 steps, a cycle going from the fool to the world and then back to the fool, a cycle of uh, passage through a spiritual process leading from the naivete of the fool all the way around to a type of innocence and enlightenment after you reach the the world. Uh, then you go back to zero. That's why the fool is Trump zero. It's everything and nothing. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. So if, if this is true, um, and the uh, tarot was more than a card game when it was originally conceived, and it's encoded in its secret uh, messages, uh, how interesting. Now, we do know that when Arthur Edward Waite re- revisioned the tarot, he was uh, a member of the uh, Golden Dawn and did put in many, many symbols, uh, Kabbalistic and otherwise. So we arrive at Trump 5, the Arafant, which used to be called the Pope. Now, uh, we're going to go deep into a rabbit hole now. The Pope, well, in most tarot decks, uh, Trump 5 is called the Pope. Uh, uh, When we go back to the Tarot of Marseille, etc., it is the Pope. We had the, the, the Papas, and we had the Pope. So um, uh, the Pope, of course, was seen as the uh, the highest uh, religious um, representative on earth, representing organized religion, dogma, the right thing to do. And uh, now, um, so when wait rejected Pope because the the title Pope 
described a very specific type of religious orthodoxy. Um, and he borrowed the, the name Arafat. That title was also very specific because that was the high priest of the Greek Illusion Mysteries. Now, when you should we take a look at that? Let's go. We'll go back to that. Um, Wade described this card very specifically as the outer way of church and dogma. But this use of this esoteric term suggests other uh, interpretations because there's a lot of symbology in this card that has nothing to do with the Greek Illusion school. Um, the card itself represents secret doctrine and initiation in general. Um, it refers, it's self-referential, it refers to the tarot itself as uh, a general embodiment of um, secret doctrine of occultic practices. Um, the interpretation is um, built upon by fellow occultists, such as the uh, the picture of the Arafat, which is also in um, Aleister Crowley's interpretation in the book Toth, which was drawn by Dame Frieda Harris. And there the trunk definitely signifies initiation into a secret doctrine. Uh, at the time, there were all sorts of proliferation of uh, various orders, secret lodges. Uh, at the turn of the century, they were everywhere. There was an occult explosion on both sides of the ocean, America and Europe. And uh, England was filled with them. The Order of the Golden Dawn, uh, of which Waite and Crowley both belonged, um, it, it's hard to know who originated the term Arafat, but Arafat was definitely used by both men and both were members of the Order of the Golden Dawn. So, um, outer way and secret doctrine arise uh, automatically when you start talking about the Arafat because of the Greek Illusionian mysteries. So, When we look at the Arafat, here we have two acolytes kneeling in front of the high, uh, the high master here. Obviously, they're being initiated. He is blessing them. He's raising the scepter. They're being initiated into something. They are initiates. They're acolytes. So uh, are they being admitted to the church? Is he the Pope admitting them into the church, the higher mysteries of the church, or just some occult society? Uh, at any rate, they're being they're being allowed into some secret mystery. They're about to enter uh, an upper level. They're about to be told things, secrets. So there's, in order to do this, in order to be initiated into any organization, any level of mystery, you have to adopt that group's belief system and follow that group's rules. There, there are catechisms. There are rules. There are doctrines. And if you don't obey those, you're not allowed to go to that level, right? So we've entered a, 
a level of um, obedience and discipline at this point in the tarot. We've gone from the freedom of the fool to the uh, rather relaxed, passive observation of the high priestess, the uh, motherly nurturing of the empress, the discipline area and the do as I say of the emperor. Now we're being initiated into secret doctrines. So if we're thinking of the uh, the Western idea of the Pope, we can see the Hierophant is an aspect of the emperor. The emperor is disciplined by force. And the word Pope means father, right? Holy Father. Um, so, like the, the like the Roman emperor, uh, the Pope is seen as a wise father who ushers his children and sheep into heaven. Um, the emperor provides for the physical world. The Pope provides for the spiritual world. They're the two sides of the same coin. So, in uh, in one of the very early um, books, written books about urging separation of church and state. Um, uh, Dante Alighieri argued and he was one of the very first advocates to separate church from state um, argued that these two functions must not be combined church and state must not be combined for fear of corruption however he never questioned the idea that the church is responsible for humanity's souls so, uh, as we enter this uh, cynical age uh, of the 21st century, the technological age, uh, many people do not understand or appreciate the idea of indoctrination into a priesthood or a religious order. We don't get it. We, we tend to think of it as a, as a corrupt and evil organization. We see the evil of it. We see the... Uh, the uh, likelihood or the potential for abuse this um, this whole idea of the democratic uh, equality of uh, everyone rejects this notion of a uh, interlocutor an intermediary between human humanity and god an interpreter of, of spirituality but the arafant can also symbolize the um, the um, dictatorship of any elite system, a any elite system. So originally, the special function of the priests was very obvious. They spoke to the gods through the oracles, right? They were the ones who went into the temple and came out and said, the gods say, do this. Over time, though, it became institutionalized. This whole practice became institutionalized, and people just don't believe that anymore. So when Christianity rejected um, this whole idea that the priests spoke directly to God, the idea of the priest became, just like the idea of the emperor, a little bit more abstract, a little bit more democratic. It became um, religion by proxy, by vote by committee, religion by committee. And uh, the special function of the priests was 
where the where the the special function priests would go in and talk to God, people quite happily said, "Well, let someone else do that." So the average person is happiest following just worldly pursuits, right? Going to work, um, <laughs> right? Uh, making money, uh, coming home, raising a family, and arguing about politics, and letting somebody else worry about God. You go to church on Sunday, the the preacher, who is the surrogate of the priest, um, gives you a sermon, uh, sometimes literally gives you something to eat that um, absolves you of sins, listens to your uh, petty crimes and says you're forgiven. He takes on the burden of your uh, spiritual uh, uh, chores. You know, it's uh, uh, your spiritual tasks by proxy. However, there are certain people who who have the call to spirit. They feel uh, directly connected to spirit. They feel the urging, the yearning of spirit inside of them. And they're called to the priesthood. They're called to shamanism. They're called to serve. And they can speak to God. They speak to God for the rest of us. The more cynical people call them crazy. They talk about, yeah, they're talking to their invisible friend in the sky. They don't get it. They don't hear the voice, the spirit. They don't, hear, they don't get it. But you have the people who do talk to spirit. And among those people who talk to spirit, you have the even rarer people who not only can talk to spirit, but they can talk to us as well. They can talk to spirit, they hear the voice of spirit, and they can also talk to us. They are an interpreter. They are a diplomat. They are an interlocutor, if you know that word, between spirit and humanity. They can carry messages from spirit to us and from us to spirit. And these are the rarer people. I will tell you there are a lot of people who pretend that they can do this. You can turn on your TV any day of the week. And they're saying, God wants this of you. God says this, and God says that. And if you have any kind of discernment at all, you can tell the people who can call down spirit from the people who claim they can call down spirit. Just like you can tell the difference between the people who really care for you from the people who pretend to care for you. Now, those who can really interpret the will of spirit are truly, truly wonderful resources on this planet. So there are people who can do this. Um, they they carry the message. They interpret God's or the God's or the goddess's law so that we can live proper lives, we can live moral lives, and presumably after death, we receive our reward of returning to God. And after this resurrection, we ourselves will dwell in the sight of God. In life, though, according to the um, messages, we need the priests to guide us. This is what the argument is. So runs the argument. So runs the argument. So even if we agree with this in principle, in practice, it seems to break down. People become priests for all sorts of reasons, not the call of God. Other than the call of God, there's that percentage who does, 
there's ambition. There's the pressure of the family because the families want to have a priest and the priest in the family uh, is their pipeline to God, right? Yeah, my son's a priest. My nephew's a priest, right? They even do this in Buddhist communities. Uh, in Buddhist communities, they'll send their kid off to be a priest for six months, uh, and then they'll come back to be a monk. Uh, then they come back. It, it builds merit in the family. Um, and sometimes those who feel a genuine calling to merge with God may sometimes not have much talent to communicate with people, and the politics of the church will put them in a clerical position. So like these uh, social institutions um, of, the, uh, of the bureaucracy, right, these religious institutions that are represented by the Arafat can easily become corrupted because of the authority given to them so that the priests see their power as an end in itself, prizing obedience above enlightenment. In other words, the rule of law becomes more important than the spirit of law. So, obviously, the position of defending a doctrine will attract people who love doctrine over spirit, right? So, we eject, we reject this idea of a guiding priesthood for a more subtle reason. This is why the Arafat image is very frightening. Ever since this Reformation, the historical Reformation, this notion become greater and greater in the West is that the individual's ultimate responsibility belongs to him or herself. We're, we are responsible for our own, our own morality. We do not turn our spiritual growth over to anyone else. We are responsible for our own actions. This has been a, uh, a, a moral doctrine that has grown greater and greater in the West, where we are responsible for our own actions. Um, moral relativism. This whole idea of an outer doctrine, a code of rules and beliefs accepted on faith, depends on the assumption that most people prefer to have someone else tell them what to do and think. Now, if I throw that out there, most people prefer to have someone else tell them what to do or think. You probably resist that. But look around you. Look at the current state of the government and look at the current state of the world and read, God help you, read Facebook discussions and Internet discussions, but also realize that most people, I'm going to tell you this, most people are not on the Internet. Thank goodness. Most people, and this is a statistic, most people are not on the Internet. So if you're on the Internet and you, you build your view of the world and people by reading Internet discussions, you don't have a realistic view of the world. Thank God. So um, this idea of an outer doctrine um, a code of rules and doctrine and beliefs accepted on faith depends on this assumption that most people prefer to have someone else tell them what to do and think. And really, most people do. It's 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 kind of kind of a moral laziness. Most people like to say, "Well, here's a set of rules that applies to everybody, and if we all do this, society will not fall into chaos." And it may well be true, but to really discover God inside yourself 
you have to undergo some very uncomfortable self-exploration. And you have to confront yourself. You have to confront your beliefs and your assumptions. You have to look at everything that you think is true and question it. And that takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of honesty. And to decide for yourself what is the moral thing to do in every situation might require a constant questioning of everything you do. And who's going to do that? (laughs) So uh, many people today just don't have time for that. So, um, so mostly we, we have to balance this, right? We can't accept, I mean, we honestly can't accept either society or church bearing the ultimate responsibility for our lives. And we can't question everything we do. We have to develop a sense of right and wrong that becomes a moral compass. So this interpretation of the Arafan as representing secret doctrines really sort of suits the modern age better. Then this doctrine doesn't tell us what to do, but gives us a direction to begin working on ourselves. And so the tarot is part of a uh, a guideline, not a uh, system of fortune telling, but as a, a guideline, what we do in this situation becomes very, very important. This comes up in the reading, and, it's, and the, the reference says, so what's the right thing to do versus what's your instinct? You, you know, what are you doing now? Uh, the right thing to do versus what you want to do. Uh, what's society telling you to do? What are people telling you to do versus, uh, you know, what are the rules here? You know, what, 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 what were you taught growing up? What were you told is the right thing to do versus what, what is it you want to do? What is your heart telling you? And uh, so, you know, and also maybe it's time to look into secret doctrine, you know, what's behind the curtain. So the form and doctrine of this initiation changes all the time. Are you ready to move to the next level? Maybe you were taught certain rules that worked for you in the past, so maybe the rules of the past don't work for you anymore. You know, you know your strategies of the past aren't working anymore. It's time to move to another whole level of strategies. The basic quality of initiation um, never changes. Initiation is always the same, but what you're being initiated into sometimes does change. Now, as we look at the symbol of the uh, Arafat, we see the crossed keys at his feet. This is because the Pope was St. Peter. He had the keys to the kingdom. He's the key keeper. He's the opener of the way. So St. Peter is also Papa Legba, if you synchronize him to the saints. We, um, We can go deep down that rabbit hole, but we won't. So uh, for people, though, who, who are into uh, root work and voodooism and hoodooism, that's very interesting to see those cross keys. The crossroads come into play. St. Peter, Papa Legba, we, uh, we get very interested when we start seeing symbols like that. Um, those keys are gold. And um, those, those keys open the doors to lots of secret doctrine, right? And um, now in this 
Rider Waite imagery, we also notice that no curtain, no curtain is hiding. No veil is hiding what's behind the hierophant, right? Like in the High Priestess, there's no curtain hiding. You're free to go in. You're free to, uh, once once, uh, you're initiated, there's no curtain hiding what's in that temple, like in the High Priestess. You're free to walk in there. Once you say the secret words, once you uh, you know the password, once you're initiated, enter enter acolyte, enter the, into the secrets. Um, but the pillars are a dull gray. We don't we don't have the black and white pillars anymore, do we? They're just a dull gray. So those who enter here may receive protection from personal choice. We'll tell you what to do. But you're not going to have duality. There's no more duality. There's no more ambiguity. The there's no unconscious anymore. You there's no ambiguity. This is the right thing to do. You no longer have to think. So we have to think about this outer doctrine of religion. Um, does it serve a purpose to the seeker? Is it is it true with a big T? Is it the truth that everyone looking looks for? Um, that's up to the seeker. What is it you're looking for? Are you looking for an end to your seeking? Is this the end? Is this my my quest is over? Um, that's a very difficult question. It's a very difficult question. Um, and then. There's another part of this symbol that, that we really have to pay attention to. The position of the three people. There's a large figure presiding over two smaller ones on either side. Introduces a motif that you, you can see again and again in the major arcana. It's just like the two pillars of the high priestess. And you'll see it resolved in judgment. And you'll see it in the world. And you'll see it in the very next two cards after Trump 5, with the angel over the lovers and the charioteer of the chariot over the black and white sphinxes. You can see this trio as the symbol of a triad, just as just like the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or the picture of the mind uh, presented by, by Freud, the id, ego, superego, with the unconscious, conscious, superconscious. And to understand the meaning of this image, you have to go back to the high priestess and her three columns. She sits between these two pillars symbolizing the dualities of life. She herself signifies one side, and the magician is the other. The Arafant initiates two acolytes into his church, and we see that the Arafant and the lovers and the chariot all represent attempts to mediate between these opposite poles of life and find some way not to resolve them, but to simply hold them in balance. Because life can never be resolved. It can only be held in balance. So a religious doctrine with a moral code and explanations for life's most basic questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? What happens to me when I die? Does just that. So if we surrender ourselves to a church, the contradictions of life all become answered, but not ever resolved. We'll be back after station identification.
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Holly, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays 6 to 7, all time specific, add three hours for Eastern, Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Well, the Arafat. I was going to move on to the lovers this week, but we only have about 10 minutes. So what I'm going to do is bring this show to a close a little early, but we're going to bring it to a close and we'll talk next week. We'll talk about the lovers next week and a very interesting card. I'm going to tell you that though in advance that the lovers does not mean at least in the uh, understanding that I have what you think it does. Some people, Oh, the lovers, that means, you know, you're going to um, meet someone and fall in love and, uh, you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger, fall in love, and have a garden in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's not what the lovers means. Um, no, not you know, not in a uh, not in the historical sense. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, has nothing to do with the romance. Not at all. Not not historically. Find out next week. You know, the Reverend loves you, and we have a. No, oh, we're getting we're getting there. It's uh, number six out of twenty-one. I'm going to try to do two a week. But Therafond is so interesting. These cards are so interesting, and uh, to me anyway. And uh, we'll try to do two next week. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs>